Let's pray. Lord, we wait, we watch, we endure, we pray, we hope, we love. Lord, help us this Advent to celebrate all that you've done and to look forward with great expectation of all that you will do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How good are you at predicting the future? Have we got any experts at predicting the future? How about sporting results? Anyone now stay up last night for the boxing? Heavyweight boxing? I don't suppose so. Do we know what the result was? No. Can I spoil it for you? Shut your ears now if you don't want to be spoiled. Um, As with it, not a fix at all. I didn't watch it. It was a draw. They can fight again. How convenient is that for the promoters? Anyway, what about football results? Are we any good at predicting? I couldn't have guessed this last week. I've just taken to be a Chelsea fan. Their, um, Their results went downhill. I mean, how on earth did they lose to Tottenham last week? Would never have predicted that. Any rugby fans? Six Nations. Who's going to win? We could create all sorts of... T- we thought Brexit was a problem. But rugby, there's Wales and England. I don't know. But some of us have ideas about who we think is going to win. It's no coincidence that the wealthiest person in the UK at the moment, she happens to be a woman... Um, but probably one of the wealthiest people in the world, Bet365. Do you know what she's called? We probably haven't even heard about her, have we? She's made millions. Denise Coates, what does that tell you about our ability to predict the future and predict sports results? It's profitable for the bookies and not for us that try to guess these things. Have we any experts here in reading the political situation and know exactly what's going to happen in the next few days? How about the financial markets? Pessimist, glass half empty or less at the front here. What about climate change? How good are we at predicting weather patterns? We Christians help to shape all these climates. We need to act with integrity to be wise stewards of God's resources and also model being a loving and generous community. We wait. We watch. We pray. We act in God-honouring ways. How do you read the spiritual climate at the moment? We all have collective and individual responsibility to be salt and light in our world. People of faith, of hope, of love. I, for one, am very hopeful 
that God's had the first word, he's had the last word, and he's got lots of words in between. Things are going to end well for those who respond to God in his love. As we wait, we watch, we pray, we act in God-honoring ways. People have attempted since time begun uh, to predict the weather. We Brits are quite good about talking about the weather. Not always acted as we should maybe when we think things have changed. Some people in other parts of the world are slow to be convinced that things are changing. We had a dedication service uh, earlier. And um, for the namesake of a very um, important person in Scripture that was good at predicting the weather, thankfully Noah listened for the sake of his family and his pets. He built an ark. Now I've got a few little sayings about the weather. I just wonder whether you could help me to finish them. And I didn't know the first two. So here goes. There's a slight rhyme going on here. Clear moon, the frost is coming. Did you know that or did you just guess well? Okay. Rain before seven, fine by... Does it work? Okay. Red sky at night. Red sky in the morning. Apparently, that was probably more sailor's warning than shepherd's warning originally. Does it work? Scientifically, does it work? Not sure that it does. It works some days and maybe not other days. Jesus had some words to say on this subject. Matthew 16, verse 1. Not our reading for the day. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and tested Jesus by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, I don't know whether you knew this was in the Bible or not, the weather will be fair for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but not the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Jonah, as we may know, was a reluctant promise. He didn't want to go and tell the people to repent. They had what's coming to them. He wanted them to suffer. Thankfully, Jesus didn't take that attitude. Our Bible reading from Luke 21 says, verse 25, there'll be signs in the sun, moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. 
These are troubled times politically and environmentally. But there's always hope. Always hope. Three of us went from this church to visit the tier fund offices this week, Michael and um, Sarah Tapp and myself, and, and we were shown round uh, by a lovely person from Tier Fund, but we also privileged, wasn't expecting it, to meet the CEO of Tier Fund. I'd have thought he'd be a bit too busy to see us, and I was a bit surprised to see him, but he, he said of some of the most important things that they do at the moment, they work through local churches to bring transformation in the most needy parts of the world. But two other things that they're spending quite a lot of time on at the moment, one is conflict resolution. If you can help people to get on, there's less problems. And the other thing is to do with advocacy, advocacy around climate change. Verse 26, people will faint from terror. Last Sunday we heard stories from Christian solidarity worldwide and I wrote to Bill this week and asked him for one such story that I could share today. Apparently in the last 12 months, faith groups in China have experienced the most severe crackdown of religious freedom and human rights. Leaders of their churches are being arrested. Churches have been destroyed. Church members have been intimidated and harassed. And we might bring this in in Holy Trinity Claygate, but uh, there's face recognition systems on the doors as people come in. Not great if you're in China, but we wouldn't like it here. But if they're recognized, they get severely treated. Recent reports also estimate that as many as three million people have been detained in political re-education camps without charge. Verse 26 continued. Some will be apprehensive of what's coming on the world For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Heaven and earth will both be shaken. But before we look forward to our future hope, let's look back. God's history of working with his chosen people has been mixed. They eventually inhabited the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, built a city called Jerusalem, a temple bang in the middle of the city. The idea was that church and state would work together in perfect harmony, much like the British system of government, maybe when it was um, set up. Jerusalem, a symbol of these things coming together. But we read in our Old Testament that the Jewish nation had kings and priests that, whilst they were supposed to work together, rarely did. Most of their leaders, more often than not, seemed to follow their own ways rather than God's ways, and as a result, lost his protection and ended up being taken away into exile. The temple was a symbol of God's presence with his people and it was destroyed. The people were taken into exile, made slaves to the Babylonians. And into this exilic situation, Jeremiah offers a message from God of healing 
of restoration, a promise of hope. I read from Jeremiah 33, verse 14. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll fulfill the good promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Basically, a remnant of God's people would be returned to Jerusalem. The temple would be rebuilt. The people had hoped and prayed for this, but they went on to hope and pray and expect a Messiah to come and to set God's kingly rule amongst them. We're told in the final book of the New Testament, Malachi 3 verse 1, God says, I'll send my messenger who'll prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord will appear. The Lord, the, suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. We Christians believe that The Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. His body, not bricks and mortar, became the temple of God. Jesus' death and resurrection, figuratively speaking, are the destruction and the renewal of the temple. Earlier in Luke 21, verses 20 20 to 24, which we didn't have today, It prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, which happened at around AD 70, which is when we think uh, the Gospel of Luke was also written down. And whilst the physical temple was destroyed, the living temple, represented by our Lord Jesus Christ, was glorified and goes on forever. At our previous Two services today, two of them anyway, um, we've had communion and we say these words which for me sort of sums up some of the theme of Advent. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The message of Advent is a message of thanksgiving and it's a message of hope. It's a message about the first and second coming. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We celebrate this as Christmas. at Christmas. Jesus promised to be with us now and forever. We invite God's loving presence to be with us. And he inhabits us, his people. We become his holy temples too. Jesus will come again. We are here, ready and hope-filled that God will restore things to its full glory. We wait expectantly and prayerfully for Jesus to return. For many of us, this expectation has been rather dulled over 2,000 years of waiting. Hope is sometimes robbed by the troubles we face and we see around us. Our gospel reading from Luke 21 points to times when there will be troubles. Many of these prophecies have been fulfilled, but there'll be more troubles to come. These troubles, however, strangely give an indication that God is near. Verse 27. 
when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Advent used to be and is still a season, much like Lent, where Christians take time out to reflect and, where necessary, repent of the things that have spoiled their relationship with God and others. Jesus warns his first hearers to be careful about how they live. Verse 34. Don't be weighed down by dissipation, frivolity, lax morals, drunkenness and anxieties. I think this is a timely message as we approach the Christmas season. When the temptation is to, for some of us, to eat too much, to drink too much, and not me, but maybe you, to stay out too late. I was reflecting when I used to work in a proper job when I was in the city a few years ago. Um, It was a sort of proper job. But I used to find Christmas season a little bit scary. There was like huge peer pressure to sort of get involved and go to things in the Christmas party. People uh, used to behave as if no one was looking. But they used to find out the next day that everyone was as they shared their gossip in the trading rooms and the back offices. We can smile about it. But the consequence of some of their actions harmed individuals and sometimes destroyed families. For Christians, we've got to be careful how we behave. We need to be wise and watchful and prayerful. As God is watchful over us, he doesn't miss anything, but he promises if we ask him, to give us a way out when we're faced with temptations. Looking back to God's activity with his chosen people, Israel forgot to be faithful to God from time to time and ended up in perilous situations, and so to us when we do the same. God came in the person of Jesus as the perfect answer for death and life and daily living to all those who recognized and accepted him. We live in a world searching for answers. I would argue sometimes we ask the wrong people in the wrong places and sometimes have the wrong questions altogether. I believe that we find our answers in Jesus and need to be bold, courageous, not ashamed to point people towards him. And as we already heard in this service, Alpha is one of the ways that maybe we ask some of the more important questions in life. Is there more to life than this? The answer is a resounding yes. The message of the fig tree in Luke twenty-one twenty-nine is hope-filled. Watch out for the sprouting of the leaves. The summer is near. Verse 31 is hope-filled. Even when you see challenging things around you, know this. 
The kingdom of God is near. Troubles come in all shapes and sizes. And some of us might find ourselves in a situation where we feel as though our hope is being robbed. God always gives hope. There are situations or our attitudes to our situations can be transformed. Under God's kingly rule, places of destruction can be rebuilt. There is hope. Under God's kingly rule, communities torn apart by the ravages of war can be reconciled. There is hope. Criminals can go straight. People in despair can be given hope. Sinners can be forgiven. Under God's kingly rule, churches who've lost their way and trying to do things in their own strength with their own agendas, not God's, can be renewed and revived and empowered and redirected. The message of the gospel is the message of Advent. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. A hope of God's transforming, transforming presence here and now and also in future. I close with words from Luke 21.36, reminding us that prayer is the fountain of hope. Watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Prayer reminds us that hope is rooted in God and his word. The kingdom of God is near. In hope, we watch, we wait, we endure, we pray, we hope, we love, we act.